BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Come and see me on tour. Here's what we've got for the remainder of 2019. I'm just going to throw out the cities, and you can go to my website to find out the exact dates and how to get tickets. And it's so easy. Just go to jenkirkman.com. Right there on the homepage is where all of the ticket links are. If you want to make extra work, go to jenkirkman.com, click tour. And if you want to sign up for my twice monthly, sometimes weekly newsletter, get your Kirk mail. I send you an email with all kinds of offers and details. Well, go to jenkirkman.com and click Kirk mail. Easy, right? So here's where I will be before the clock strikes midnight on December 31st. And no, I am not doing a New Year's Eve gig. Here I am. Here's where you can see me between now and end of December. London, UK, Manchester, UK, Amsterdam, Netherlands. That's right, that Amsterdam. Oslo, Norway, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, San Francisco. That actually just went on sale this week. San Francisco and the fancy seats that get you right up close to me. We've only got about 15 left. Sold all of them out in the first day. So don't you sleep on San Francisco because because it might sell out soon. And after that, Richmond, Virginia. And, uh, sorry. <laughs> Richmond, Virginia, and then Durham, North Carolina. Those two are special Christmas-themed shows, although it's mostly stand-up, but there'll be a couple extra Christmas things there for you. For ya. And then the Jen Kirkman annual dysfunctional Christmas show, December 13th, Friday the 13th. How dysfunctional is that at the Hollywood Improv? Please get tickets for that Saparuno. Enjoy this week's episode. Funlessness, funlessness, funlessness. Having funlessness, having funlessness, having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. Hello. Sorry we're a day late here, but it is Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 304. I am your host, Jen Kirkman. I am a stand-up comedian. I am an author. I am a television writer, and I am your host 
of this show. This is a show hosted by a funny person, but not necessarily a funny show. This is where I go to be a storyteller, a raconteur, maybe rant a little bit. I'm sure my intention is that you enjoy it, but you might not laugh once. You might laugh a lot. Depends on the week, depends on your mood. So anyone looking for comedy bits, this is not that podcast. This is where I go to keeps it real. If you do want to hear me do my comedy bits, well, then I invite you to watch both of my Netflix specials. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine. And then the second one, Just Keep Living. Both are also available as albums. You can get them on my website digitally, jenkirkman.com. There you go. They're both available on iTunes. So for anyone that's about to write a review that this isn't a funny podcast, well, seems you're a pretty observant person who observed the very thing I said at the top, that this isn't a doing bits joke podcast. What are we talking about this week? Oh, I'm just going to tell you about a manicure that I had in Boston at the airport with a woman whose eyelashes were falling off of her face. And it was a 45-minute conversation. And if you know me, you know that's my worst nightmare. But it turned out to be the biggest delight. I'm going to talk about having a panic attack at a fancy Hollywood pitch meeting and where I could not attend the meeting and ask them if they could come to the lobby. I don't think we sold to that network, folks. And I'm going to talk about the time I hired and then fired a life coach because she ran out of printer ink. And of course, we will be reading a couple of listener emails. I just looked at producer Mackenzie. I don't know why. I just looked over and she was laughing. And that made me smile because I think that <laughs> I think that that's funny to get upset that someone runs out of printer ink. But I have a feeling, I have a feeling out there, I think I think everyone's going to relate. Or maybe not, because who hires a life coach in the first place? Certainly not someone with their life together. But I think I have my life together enough to know that a life coach is not going to help me. Or it will. We'll get into it when I tell that story. Ow, my hot water is hot. It's supposed to be warm. I'll have to yell at my assistant, which is myself, later about that. So let's talk about, this is a little leftover road story for ya. For ya. So I'm leaving Boston, and I got to the airport. Wicked early, dudes. Dudes, I was so early. I was looking at all the posters. I think I'd like Bob you off from the fucking Bruins posters there. They got all the banners from like every sports team wins every year. So Wahlberg is... But sometimes when I have a 5 p.m. or so flight, it's fun after you check out of your room. The latest they let me stay was one. Oh, God, get there two, three hours early. See what the airport has to offer in the new JetBlue terminal. And I wanted to get my nails done. And there was a manicure place before you check in through security. And I was asking everyone, I'm sure the TSA agents did not train their whole life to answer my questions about manicures, but I said, I want to go through security, but I want to get a manicure. Do you know if there is a, you know, one of those airport nail salons, an express spa maybe, on the other side? You would have thought I was asking them if there was an afterlife on the other side. They're like, oh, I don't know. That question is too deep for me. I mean, I think what's on the other side is really whatever you believe. I think in our last moments as we go through security, if we believe there's a nail salon, then that's what we'll see. But a lot of people think that bright light you see of the nail salon up ahead is just 
our brain. Our brain is collapsing and dying and it gives one last final magnificent burst of white light. And I'm like, okay, well, I just want to know, is there an express spa? Ma'am, I don't, I don't know. Keep it moving. It's two days after 9-11. This is Boston, the airport that let Mohammed Atta go through. You think I have time to answer your questions about nail salons? I'm trying to prevent the next terrorist attack. Please take off your shoes. So, oh, that's the other annoying thing, by the way. I've been traveling a lot in my fantastic Stuart Weitzman is a brand of... Now, don't get on me. I am a, I am a hypocrite up and down this motherfucking earth. I use leather products sometimes. Sometimes I have leather shoes and sometimes I have leather bags. I have leather interior in my car. Rest in peace, my dear friend Brody Stevens, who one of my favorite jokes of his was, I got a new car, leather exterior. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. You know, I'm middle age is never going to change. A lot, you know, like Stella McCartney, she's she makes clothes, everything sustainable and vegan, but you can only afford it if you're the daughter of a beetle. It is so expensive. So just let me wear leather sometimes. Let me be. I do what I can. I do things that offset the environment. I do things that upset the environment. I'm not sure how much you're going to get me to change today about my leather shoes. So and I'm not an animal rights person. I mean, a lot of people think that I'm vegetarian slash mostly vegan because of that, but it is not. It is environmental and also just health and also just, yeah. So while I do not want cows to die just so I can have leather shoes, I suppose that's exactly what's happening. Anyway, gorgeous Stuart Weitzman boots, ankle boots, not high heel. They are the type of shoe that you could put on with a nice pair of slacks, a blouse, and look feminine and cool. Or throw them on with jeans. And I actually have a fake leather jacket and a faux leather jacket. Pleather. And you look tough. And I like to wear them at airports because they are comfy. They've got good atch support. But there's some kind of metal in the heel. You can't tell. It's not silver. It doesn't look like a big boot with a buckle. But I am TSA pre-check, not to brag. And whenever I go through pre-check, I, the first time I wore these shoes, they beeped. And they sent me back through. And they said, take your shoes off. I bet that's what's doing it. I took my shoes off. I walked through the security thing again. It didn't beep. So therefore, yes, it was my shoes. So now, I'm pretty smart. I've noticed a pattern. If it happened once, it will happen again. So now I go through TSA pre-check and I do not remove my three ounce bottles from my bag as per the rules of pre-check. I do not remove my laptop and I keep my light outer jacket on. But I do take my shoes off because they're going to beep. Every time I have done this in the past two weeks, the person behind me, guess what gender they are usually, says to me, oh, you don't have to take your shoes off pre-check. I'm like, bitch, I've been pre-check longer than there's been planes. They invented flying because I signed up for this thing called pre-check and I was standing at the airports going, when am I going to get to use this thing? And then they invented airplanes. That's how long I've been pre-check. I said, I know, but my shoes beep. No, they shouldn't. Excuse me. You don't know me or my shoes. 
So what I will do in those moments, if I have extra time, like I did this time, like I did when I got to the airport three hours early, I said, I'll put them on and show you. And he goes, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's not my business. I said, well, you already butted in. I put them on. I walked through. They beeped. I said, I told you. He was horrified that I kept giving him all this attention after he had said that to me. But I was like, don't give it in the first place, bitch, if you don't want the attention right back. You tell me what to do as though I don't know what I'm doing. I'll keep engaging. I don't give a fuck. I'm insane when I travel. Sometimes after a few days on tour, I'm really tired. And I throw all societal norms out the window like the other night when I threw a nut at this guy's TV because he was snoring. I'll get into that in a minute. Now, the reason I bring up the Stuart Weitzman boots is because they were on such a crazy sale that I had to buy them. I wouldn't have been able to afford them otherwise. It was like a triple-dipple sale, and they were on Zappos, where I have points, and I couldn't believe it. It was like getting them for free. So my point is, I'm at the airport now. I'm going to make a note to myself to tell you about that nut. You know what? I'll tell you that on a different episode. Oh, what a delight that's going to be for you. Um, So they're unable to tell me if there is an express spa on the other side. I'm trying to get on the airport Wi-Fi. It's taking forever. I know that I can just look up what exists in what terminals, but there is a hair salon, nail salon right there next to security. And I have time to get my nails done before I go through security. At this moment, I don't know that that boot moment is about to happen. I told the story backwards because it wasn't even a story about that, but I remembered to throw that in just for some extra complaining. So I don't know if you know me or if you're like me. Now, I don't mean to treat anyone in the service industry as though they are my servant who should not be heard from. But as a lady who gets her nails done every week, to me, it's like a cat getting their claws trimmed. It's, it's no longer a spa experience where I want conversation and extra massage. It's, it's in, it's out. It's cut my cuticles, file it, throw on some nail hardener, throw on a collar. It's just, it's just my ritual, like taking a shower. It's just part of my grooming I don't see it as extra. A lot of nail salons, if you haven't been to one, the culture is that. It is in, it is out, it is an assembly line, it is a machine. Now, when I go to said nail salons in my hometown of LA, and even I have regular places in New York, not to brag, I say hello. It's, the people never remember me because it's not like I keep a certain time or go to a certain person. And it's, you know, it's big places where they've got 10, 20 chairs. People come and go. It's like 20 people an hour in and out and in and out. They mean, you know, we don't ever develop a deep, meaningful relationship. Some people do. And I feel like those people are annoying when they're just talking to their pedicure lady the whole time. So my daughter's 12 now. I know. Can you believe it? Just like, just... Do you have to, she's already touching your feet. Do you have to show her pictures of your kid at the same time? She doesn't care. But I think there's a guilt with some women that, oh, someone's touching my feet. They're surfacing my feet. 
But that's the job, and they know that. And I think it's even more insulting to be chatty Chatterson because you feel guilty. Don't feel guilty because you're actually saying that you find what they're doing demeaning. That's why you feel guilty. Don't. It's just part of the job. They're in the spa service industry. They touch body parts. You're good. You have to show them pictures of your kid. Anyway, at these more big assembly line places, the manicurists usually talk to one another. Or there's sort of a group discussion. Maybe there'll be a TV on, and they'll be showing um, the E! channel, and there's some fashion police episode on, and you're sitting there, and the woman next to you, and someone's doing her nails, and someone's doing mine. And so now it's, it's not this intimate one-on-one, anyone has to keep the ball rolling conversation where there's no end in sight. But it's just people kind of existing and pleasantries. Oh, I love that dress. Oh, who was that? Oh, that was Sandra Bullock. Yeah, we'll remember that year. And you kind of do that. You engage, and then everyone gets quiet again. You know, it's like that kind of environment I like. Or an environment where you come in. Sometimes if I'm just getting my toenails done, I bring my laptop. I say, pardon me. I'm on a deadline. I've got to return emails. No, everyone's doing their own thing at the nail salon. But the places where there's no one in there and one person working, ew, awkward. That's what this was. But I loved this woman so much. If, like, how is she not a character? I need to join the groundlings immediately so I can do this character, but I don't do characters. Imagine she was literally, not literally, figuratively-ish, like, the non-Jewish Linda whatever from Coffee Talk, Mike Myers. But not. But imagine that woman, but with more red hair and not at all put together. Like legit imagine clumps of mascara to where it almost looks like there's little pieces of mouse poop lining her cheekbones. And an eyelash, like an eyelash strip just hanging off her eye. <laughs> and like. She's not mentally ill in any way, but the makeup is do is is doing no is giving no proof of that fact. It's a hundred degrees outside, and I know it's colder inside, but she's wearing a wool turtleneck sweater, almost like a holiday sweater. And that's usually not, you know, you have your cardigan on the back of your chair for the office if the AC is running too high, but this This woman's going to walk right outside after work in this crazy wool sweater. Lipstick all over her teeth. She's sitting there. I walk in. And and if you're a regular manicure person like me, not that her tools were dirty, but there just wasn't any order to anything. It was like like being in someone's house and they were like, oh, let me grab this. And oh, yeah, we'll give you a manicure with that. And I'll go over here. So... I walk in and I immediately just want to run because I'm like, I'm going to be in a long conversation with her. And I sit down and I have, now I have to read a book. I have to finish this book. And, and you could say, Jen, just listen to the audiobook. I can't. I have tried and tried and tried to do audiobooks. It goes in one ear and out the other. I start daydreaming. They don't engage me like a podcast does. I have to actually read the book. And so I'm interviewing for a job, and it's for a show that's based on a book, so I'm reading that book. I really wanted to get some reading done at the manicure, but I was in a different mode. I was in, 
Express spa, many manicurists. No one wants to talk to me. They're not lonely. I can read my book. I have my book next to me, and I'm thinking, this is not, I'm not opening this. This will not be open at all during this session. So I sit down. She starts doing my nails. And uh, she says, um, where are you going today? And I think she thinks I'm a local in Boston who's going somewhere. I said, Los Angeles. Oh, for vacation? I said, no, I live there. She looks at me, like puts the nail file down. This is the thing she kept doing. It took 45 minutes. It should have been a 20-minute thing. Thank God I had extra time. She kept putting the nail file down or putting or holding the nail polish in her hand. She couldn't work and talk at the same time, and she chose to talk a lot. So I, I, uh, she goes, looks down at me over her glasses, eyelashes everywhere. Who lives in Los Angeles anymore? I go, what? It, I don't even know what that question means. I said, a hundred million people. It's like the fourth largest economy in the world. I, who lives in Los Angeles anymore? Why, was it a trend that went away that I didn't know about? I said, I literally said that. I said, millions of people? And she went, ugh. I just look at, why are you shitting on Los Angeles? A perfectly fine place to live. Perfectly fine. People in Boston are always telling me what Los Angeles is like. Oh, those people out there. You've never been. It is not like the movie Entourage. It is, there. this whole world of douchebag agents and models, that's one part of Los Angeles. Guess what? Every city has that now. Vegas. Boston has that. I, I know those people. Wall Street. Guys, there's douchebags everywhere. Sorry to announce it. You are not safe from them by not living in Los Angeles. So then she looks at me. Now listen. Am I adorable? You betcha. But I'm in a get-on-a-plane-mode. I don't get makeup on. She goes, are you a Hollywood model? Now, I'm 45 years old, and I said, uh, no, no. Well, you could be. I said, actually, I couldn't be, and that's not putting myself down. But there's no demand for models who just turned 45, who've never modeled, and who are a size 4. While you may go, ooh, a size 4, that's small. The average size of a model is zero, so that's about a 15 to 20-pound weight loss, <laughs> which, if you're 45, cannot be achieved. Also, I'm 5'5". Five five. It's just not a thing. Also, what's a Hollywood model? Modeling is such an East Coast industry. It's such a European, New York, like, there's no Hollywood models. A Hollywood model. Hollywood is a disgusting city riddled with drugs and crime and, and people pushing shopping carts who aren't at the grocery store and some wax museums. This is no Hollywood. This isn't 1938. Anyway, I said, no, I'm not. But I do work in the business. I said, I write for TV. I, I do stand-up. Now, I thought she was going to be annoying about stand-up, but she wasn't. I said, uh, I grew up here, and I started in Boston, and I just talk about my life. And I said, you know how it is. 
people from Boston are funny. She goes, don't I know it. I'm so, I crack everyone up at work. I look around, not one person else works there. She goes, I mean, no one's here now, but, oh, no, I know. I mean, so then I made it about her, which was a brilliant move. Thank you on my part. And so she, Boston people are funny. She's so funny. She goes, you know who's that comic I love? Oh, we don't care what comic you love. You never like the right comedians. We know you love Jerry Seinfeld. That's like saying I like water. We get it. It's it's just like a staple. No one else that you like, we like. Everyone you're going to name is a hack, and we go, why are they working? They're the reason I don't have the success. We don't care. You're never right. No, it is not hard to get up on stage. No, it isn't brave. We're bored. We're bored. She goes, I actually don't remember who she said, but it actually was kind of non-offensive. I was like, oh, I get that. So she's doing my nails. She goes, you know, there's probably a lot of fancy nail salons in Hollywood. Again, Hollywood is not this place people think it is. If you want to talk about where rich people are, the glitz, the glamour, you might be talking your Malibu, your Brentwood. Anytime you see a picture of a celebrity outside of a Starbucks in their Ugg boots, that's Brentwood. That's most likely Brentwood. That's where the gated communities are. That's your Ben Affleck, Jen Garner. That's that neighborhood. And really, no nail salon is fancy. That's not a thing. The fancier the nail salon, the more annoying it is because it's too much time. Do you want extra massage? No, just we got to go. We gotta, we're going to a premiere. You know, so. And most people who are rich and famous and fancy, people come to their house. There's no fancy nail salons. Maybe if you're going to like your bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. You go to a fancy nail salon, your, your sweet 16 birthday, your mom takes your girlfriends to a fancy nail salon, but that's it. So anyway, she said, but I know this fancy. The, then it always comes the Boston competition with Hollywood. But, you know, I worked at some fancy. I worked in Newton. Now, Newton is a wealthy town. It's next to the suburb I grew up in. Old money. Oh, that's old money, Jennifer. I was born at the Newton Wellesley Hospital on a pile of old money. And so, you know, 20 minutes outside the city, very cosmopolitan, not not some suburb where, you know, you've got your, it's it's Pilates mom suburbs. It's, it's, you know what I mean. She goes, they say, if you can do nails in Newton, you can do nails anywhere. And I was the number one manicurist in Newton. Now, as she's saying this, because I worked there eight years, must have done pretty well. Must have been real liked there. Um, yes, you're amazing. As she's doing this, hand to God, as she's telling me that if you can work in Newton, you can work anywhere, which is, a, that was originally how New York, New York was going to go. It was Newton, start spreading the news. I'm leaving today to start doing nails in Newton, Massachusetts. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. It's up to you, Newton, Massachusetts, Newton, Massachusetts. I'll file your cuticles. I'll remove that gel without damaging your nails. And then I'll do that in another city. That's not even the song anymore. Anyway, 
I get what she means. There's some cranky, old-ass, old-money bitches in Newton. I'm sure she did great. But I'm sure something has gone downhill over the years. But as she's telling me how amazing she is, she is polishing my fingers. Not my fingernails. My fingers. She's just taking the brush, starting below the cuticle, and just going like a five-year-old that has never polished a nail. My entire finger looked like I dipped it in a jar of nail polish remover. (laughs) I was like, this is unorthodox. It was not a technique. She's losing her mind. I was watching like Lola from the Copacabana. She was a showgirl. Now she's a blah, blah. It's like she, the, the Lola Copacabana nail salon woman. I used to be in Newton, okay? Now I'm at the airport. But I was the best, honey. So, but then she starts telling me, and this was my favorite part. This is where I went, we all feel a certain way about who we are. And it is so annoying when people don't see us that way. So I recently just had to uh, change my hair again because I, I was I was kind of enjoying this like all dark thing. And then it started to annoy me. And then uh, my hairdresser gave me this cut that's based on this androgynous kind of lesbian model. Well, not kind of. She has an androgynous look, but I guess so, so do most models because they're so skinny. But she's got almost like a female Mick Jagger. And her name's Freyha Beha Erickson or something. She's Swedish. And my hairdresser showed me that. He goes, this is what you should do. I go, oh, my God, yes. I go, oh, but my hair can't be black because then people say I look like Joan Jett because it's this layered look. So we're lightening it. And I'm hoping people stop calling me Joan Jett. I'm hoping people stop calling me Tina Fey. Those are the two people I get compared to. And they both seem lovely. I don't want to look like either one of them. And I'm nothing like either one of them. And my true soul is that I'm Freja Beha Erickson. <laughs> That's who I am inside. When I, when I walk by a mirror and it is confirmed that I am not, it's very depressing. So we start talking. And at this point... The conversation is worn down. So I take a magazine and I open it up and it's it's a Brad Pitt, Angelina kind of story. One of those stories, what it was really like with him. I open it up. Somebody's ripped it out of the magazine. I said, who would rip this article out? This I want to read this. She said, I know who. Someone who had to catch a plane and wanted to get that gossip. I mean, I get that that's who did it, but she, she answered me seriously, so that was fine. She goes, what do you think about Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt and all that drama? Now, I don't want to tell her. Well, I did tell her. Whenever you do, this has happened to me before. I went to uh, Townsville, Australia, a very small little beach town. I walked in. This girl freaked out when she heard my American accent. And when she said, do you know the Kardashians? I mean, I could have been from Iowa. I thought, what are the odds? I mean, the odds aren't that crazy, but she's a huge Kardashians fan. I do know them. I've worked with them. I don't know them personally. If you told them my name, they'd go, I don't know who that is. But I have been around all of them. Bruce, when Caitlin was Bruce. Chris. Chloe. Who's the other one? Kim. Been. I've been... 
and and Courtney, Courtney, Chloe, the girl, the 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 big three. I've met the whole fucking family except the newer ones, the models, and worked with them a lot. I have stories. Nothing gossipy, but I'm just saying I could tell you fun things. I could tell you what they're like. I could tell you what lipstick they use. So I think, oh, well, this will be fun for her. I'm going to tell her my Kardashian stories. I said, yeah, I actually do. She goes, what? I go, well, I work in show business and I've worked with them before. And I've got lots of stories. And she went, oh, do you know what my favorite episode is? Okay, so there's this one time. And then they brought a homeless man home. And then Bruce, and this is before Bruce transitioned. So, and she was, and then Bruce was like, girls, don't do that. And then, but Chris was like, I mean, she, she didn't give a shit that in front of, she squealed, you know, the Kardashians. When I said yes, it didn't, it was like she was more excited to ask me it than to hear the real answer, which was yes. So this woman, what do you think about that, Jennifer Aniston? And I said, well, I spent Thanksgiving with Jennifer Aniston right across from her. I've been to her fucking house. I've been in her bathroom. Those were two separate incidents. Would Jennifer Aniston know my name if you told her? Think maybe. But that's about it. She doesn't really care. Now, this isn't a brag, by the way. I was hanging out with Chelsea, who was my boss. Um, many people met celebrities via being around Chelsea. But I'm just saying that, like, even to me, I'm like, there's no world where I should be hanging out with one of the most famous people on earth. But I did. So if you have any questions, I don't have anything personal to re- reveal, but I can tell you she's nice. Her hair looks great. And she seems real cool. You know, just but just like to be like, oh, cool. You saw you saw someone famous. Everyone always asks me, do you ever see famous people out there? And then I tell them and then they don't seem to care because it is a boring story. So. I said to her, well, I've actually had Thanksgiving dinner with Jennifer Aniston. Now, you're telling this Boston lady in an airport, you think she'd be like, oh, my God. She goes, mm, I don't like her. Not even interested. What's she have for Thanksgiving? Nothing. Does she eat bread? No questions. She goes, I'm an Angelina Jolie girl myself. And I'm sorry, I'm going to my mom's invitation. She goes, I'm an Angelina Jolie girl myself. And I go, oh, you like Angelina? And she leaned in looked at me over her glasses and said, I am Angelina. And I said, oh, I really relate to her inside. I'm that kind of free spirit that she is with the tattoos. I mean, I don't have any, but I get it. And they're going around the world. She helps other people. And then, you know, she's sexy. So you're going to fall in love with her if you do a movie with her. So inside, this 60-year-old woman felt like a sexy siren, screen siren who men fall all over and they have to leave their wives for and adopting babies all over the place. Tattoos. That's what this woman sees herself as. And I was like, God bless it. God bless her. She, and she goes, tonight is my birthday. I go, oh my God, happy birthday. I go, you're a Virgo too. I'm a Virgo. She goes, oh yeah. My husband's taking me to the North End. Then we're going to go. There's a new casino in Boston. We're going to go to the casino. She goes, it's real first class. She goes, you know, my friend stayed there on the premiere opening night. I didn't have the heart to tell her everybody got free tickets that night because that's what they do at a new casino, but okay. <laughs> she goes, um, and everything is computerized. You walk in the room and you go, what did she call Alexi? She confused Alexi and Siri. She goes, Alexia. Alexia, you walk in, you go, Alexia, open the blinds. And they open. And you just talk to it all night. She goes, is that the name, Alexia? 
I, I don't know, it's Alexia or that, you know, Susan. She didn't say Susan, but it was like something. I said, I think it's Alexi. And then she's like, well, whatever it is, you talk to it, everything opens. I mean, high class. I was just, I just gave into it by the end of the, you know, like 30 minutes in, I was like, okay, she's polished one finger, literally. I'll just, I'll just slide into this. We had a great talk. And then I left. She said that I'd made her day. I said, well, you made mine. If you can make it in Newton, you can make it anywhere. So, by the way, when I was at the airport, looking at my phone, it's going so slow. I need a new one. I'm getting the new iPhone this week because I'm on that kind of weird upgrade payment plan thing where they sucker you into getting a new one every year. But what I hate about the Apple Store is their cases suck. They are not fun cases. So I go elsewhere. And I saw a long time ago an ad on Instagram for this brand, Casetify. Casetify. And now they are a sponsor on this show. Do you see what I mean, people? Dreams come true. A product I already use is now advertising on this show. If you can make it in Newton, you can make it anywhere. So what is Casetify? Oh, my God, you guys. Casetify is the world's slimmest, most protective phone case with tons of classic designs, stylish collaborations, and the ability to create your own custom case. Casetify... C-A-S-E-T-I-F-Y, lets you keep your phone safe without sacrificing style. And that's important to me. This thing is in my hand 24-7. I want it to look cute. But don't worry. Military-grade drop protection. I drop my phone every two seconds. Case Defy cases have a two-layer Chi-Tech material. Um, it's a material construction. They've passed a drop test from a height of 6.6 feet. And there are literally thousands of styles and designs to choose from so you will find the perfect case for your aesthetic and you're able to choose your favorite designs colorways but you can add custom text to create a custom phone case that no one else will have and i'm excited to get my new one but um i bought one of their already already made like fun design pre-case case defies long ago it was sparkly it was adorable they often have collaborations with artists and designers like Yves Saint Laurent, Pokemon, Sarah Jessica Parker, Wonder Woman, The Rolling Stones. I mean, something for everybody. So here's what you're going to do. Go to casetify.com slash fun, and you're going to get 20% off your purchase. So go make your phone fun. There's no reason to have these. I don't want to see any ugly cases. If I'm going to see everyone's face in their phone, give me something fun to look at, something different, something interesting. Casetify. Go to casetify.com slash fun to get 20% off of your purchase. Keep your phone safe without sacrificing style. Ah, so before I get into my stories, I will read a uh, listener email for you. I'm just going to read an email that I don't think is a question, but just someone who was answering me about... I had said a few episodes ago, as we get into the fall, does anyone jump into leaves anymore? 
And we have a listener here who wanted to tell me, hi, Jen, about leaves. I live in central Oregon where it's the desert, so we have mostly only maple and elm trees for leaves. But by the way, I didn't even know you had maple and elm trees trees in a desert. There I go. Wait, I don't even think of Central Oregon as the... I'm all confused now. I've been to Central Oregon. I guess I'm being very too literal about the desert. I'm thinking Arizona. All right, pretend I'm not that dumb, and I'll keep reading the email. They are a colorful break from the drab olive green of the juniper that covers the land here. We rake the leaves. It takes forever, but my seven-year-old daughter does like to jump and run in them. So it's cute to see her have fun, but it's not all that fun for anyone else. I don't know for how long it will be fun for her. Uh, Well, listener, probably until she discovers an iPad or something. (laughs) If you want her to stop jumping in leaves because it's boring, put an iPad at the bottom and then she'll discover it. Um, Another fall activity that sounds like more fun than it actually is, the pumpkin patch corn maze. Oh, I've never been in a maze in my life, and I never want to. Doesn't interest me. Too scary. I get excited about going because the design changes every year based on a theme. One year it was a pirate ship. Oh, that sounds fun. When we get there, it's 85 degrees. There's 36 million other people there with their 99 million little kids, and I'm sweaty and annoyed because it's October, and I want fall weather, not hot, hot summer. I'm kind of looking forward to a time when she is too old to care about jumping in leaves or pumpkin patch activities. What a Scrooge I am. But then we can do other things like hikes, old movies, and whatever else. I'll teach her to write some kick-ass lists. Thanks, a huge fan in Redmond, Oregon. That's cute. I understand what you mean. It must be kind of, there's certain phases of a kid's life that I'm like, ugh, I'm so glad I'm not a parent. I can't deal with how boring that seems. Anyone else here talking to me about leaves? Let's see. Hi, Jen. First, listening to your leaves episode, you asked if kids still jump in leaves, and I know that my little niece and nephew do, as I do. As do I. I am not a kid. I am 26. But while I don't actually jump in the leaves after I rake them, I can't help but to kind of run through them. (laughs) I am just a giant child at heart. Oh, Second, in your 300th episode, you gave a shout-out to the guy in the Trump hat, and that is my boyfriend. I was so excited to hear us mentioned, I was losing my shit driving home. I was like, oh my gosh, that's us, and no one was in the vehicle with me to share my excitement. I'm sure everyone driving by me thought I was crazy jumping around in my seat. I immediately called my boyfriend, the one I got home, and I was like, she mentioned you on the podcast and how you didn't shout-out, and then I had him listen to it. I can't explain how excited it made me to hear you mentioned us. I was at your Nashville show. And I'm sorry, the, uh, uh, yeah, the audience was too drunk for me. Um, anyway, no more compliments. Uh, so this is perfect. This leads me into, I forgot about this. I got two angry direct messages on my Instagram from people in Boston, okay, about this. I do this bit at the end of my act, which um, is basically about, like, a moment where I had, like, an emotional breakdown, like, at my family's Thanksgiving and cried for days. And I was just like sad because my dad seems addicted to Fox News and addicted to Trump. And it it really breaks my heart. And I just don't like the changes I've seen in him. And I think you have to be literally a psychopath to watch that bit and to come away with it mad at me and to to be so out of it that you don't notice how old people have changed in the face of of Trump. And uh, so All these Trump people are like, these snowflakes, they can't take a joke. PC culture. And yet, 
the Trumpers that don't like my material who are telling me I'm not coming anymore. I don't like it. It's like, I don't give a fuck. If there's one person left in my audience, which there won't be, I don't give a fuck. I don't want to perform for people that can't take a fucking joke. And by the way, I don't make fun of Trump voters. I told I, I said very clearly on stage, I'm going to do a bit where I say Trump's name. I don't like Trump. The audience applauds. I say, don't applaud. This isn't a rally. I make it very clear. I'm not there to make Trump supporters feel bad. I'm there to tell my story because I'm a comedian that doesn't like him. And I and I'm close with my dad and I wanted to tell a story about me and my dad. And it's a fucked up story where my mother gets confused and thinks I said my dad molested me. It's like a crazy bit. It's wild. But it's very loving and it's about family and I always get choked up at the end telling it. And anyone who gets mad at that bit literally doesn't understand the art of comedy or storytelling. They are dumb, reactionary, and they give everyone who likes Donald Trump or who identifies as a conservative in any way a bad name. So if you want to continue representing your side like little snowflakes that get mad at someone telling a story, boo-hoo. So my whole set is about like being Gen X growing up. Then there's a little like feminism section where I talk about, you know, looking back at sexism that happened to me that I didn't realize was sexism. Then I get into a thing that leads to my dad voting Trump, me being sad about it, but how he and I never discussed politics. And then this one day I just started crying and I said, I'm triggered. I make fun of myself for saying the word triggered. And I act out for two seconds in a funny way, I act out anger at seeing my dad loving watching Trump on Fox News. Like it's a two second act out so that by the end of the bit, when I act sad and moved, I've taken you through an emotional journey. It's called acting, people. So to actually be angry on stage is not funny. And the audience can feel it when it's real anger and it's like someone's having a breakdown. And the audience can tell when you're like, hey, so I've done an 80-minute set so far and I've been smiling and having fun. So I'm going to tell you guys a story about Trump. Now, I know that might make us all mad, but I was pissed this day. So then I react out the pissed and then I come back down. Literally only the dumbest person, like legit, a duh, like a dun dun dun, like that music plays when you walk, like a brain dead. No, that's rude to brain dead people. You have to be so unsophisticated, unsavvy to get mad at this bit. My dad was in the goddamn audience, you freaks, and he loved it. And even if he didn't, he lied to me. Good for you, dad. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, Boston is a blue state. Liberal bedibral, right? Your own Elizabeth Warren is from there. John Kerry. Who else? Everybody. The whole country was founded by a bunch of liberals whose graves I visited when I was in Boston. I did this bit in Houston, standing ovation. Trump supporters all up in there. But the Boston ones, whoo, get some therapy. One of them, so two of them DM'd me. And one of them was a conservative yogi, which is fine. I'm sure that's a thing. Uh, Seems like you've got some inner conflict, but you do you. So she writes me and she says, I loved your show in Boston last week, but I need to call you out. Um, You put your personal hatred for Trump out there. You're not calling me out. You're uh, observed a bit where I said I hate Trump and then you wrote me about it. 
didn't call out anything. Calling out someone is like, I found out something. You didn't pay your taxes in 1998, and I got to call you out about it. You thought you were going to keep that secret? Well, I went to findeveryonestaxes.com, and I found your 1998 returns. What the hell were you thinking? Not paying taxes. You made $14 billion that year, Jen Kirkman. But me getting up on stage going, guys, I don't like Trump, and I'm just going to tell you a bit where I get mad, and you writing, I have to call you out. You know what you did on stage last week? You told a personal story where you said you didn't like Trump. Very good. I gave you a lollipop for good paying attention. Your final skits was hilarious. Well, it wasn't a skit or a skit plural. It was a story about being angry at Trump. But your anger towards the man was blaring. That's right, because that's what the bit was about, where I explained I'm going to be blaringly angry for about 90 seconds. I will go see you again, just an observation. Now, I don't want this freak in my audience again, even though they said nice things. I wrote, you're not calling me out. You're repeating what I did. My dad loves Trump, and he loved that bit. You're empowering even more to do whatever the fuck I want. I don't care if you don't see me again. Oh, she loves her fans. Now, my mother is listening to this if she is having a breakdown. Jennifer, no. Mom, these are two people out of almost a 1,000 that were there. And out of the 1,000 people that were there, there's thousands more that just couldn't come to the show. Everybody's fine. You have to be your authentic self in your stand-up. And you will attract not only people that agree with you, but when you're your authentic self, ironically, you attract people that don't agree with you because they can't fault you for being you. Just like I don't fault them for being them. But I got to tell you who I like and don't like so that I can write bits about my life. You know what I'm saying? I I did a bit about Obama in in my uh, Netflix special. He had not yet come out in support of marriage equality. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? What's happening? And no one in my family worried about that when 9,000% of the country favored Obama. So I think there's a little bit of fear that somehow people who love Trump get to decide who works and who doesn't, and that's just simply not true. Everybody gonna be fine. Everybody gonna be fine. Now, this one was hilarious. This one I live for. So I posted that woman's thing in my Instagram stories. This next guy writes, I was there too. That woman's right. We observed quite a few people rolling their eyes at you. In the dark? You saw that in the dark. Also, I don't care. Like, bitch, I got your money already. You can roll your eyes. You can roll your arms. You can roll your R's. You can sit there going, you can roll your ankles. You can roll around on the floor. You can stop, drop, and roll. But if you paid and I was talking, then I've already done my job. I've already won. I paid my rent. Thank you. You're not feeling the love in the USA for a reason. Because I was saying, I wasn't saying people in the United States don't come see me. I was saying my tickets sell faster in advance in other countries because people in other countries, I think, know how to use a website better. Sorry, I was just taking it. You cross the line from being funny comedian, spelled I-E-N-N-E, to angry Trump hater. Yep, that's what I said I was going to do in the bit. But again, great observational skills. Disappointed in your show. It was a four minutes of a 90-minute show. You're not disappointed. You, if that, what a snowflake. This is the tough people that go freedom of speech. Well, I was doing my freedom of speech. You got a problem with it? Stop, drop, and roll. Yes, you got a lot of applause, but I also saw a lot of eye rolling. Let me tell you this. Again, I specifically said in the bit, stop applauding. I don't like applause for comedians. It's laughter. You know, I always say it's not a rally. Stop applauding. I try to be very fair. I saw a lot of eye rolling. He's. I'm like, maybe three people are having a seizure. You ever think of that? 
Oh, my God. But it's Boston. I tell you, Boston is secretly a red state. It is. The Trump people there are angrier than I ever seen anybody. Because they don't know what they want. They're all confused. They're all confused about everything. They live in the wrong place. They feel alienated. Too many recyclable bags. They don't know what to do with themselves. Priuses and people going to farmer's markets. Go move to Texas then, where everybody's, you know, can can actually sit there and handle themselves when they see someone who doesn't like Trump make a joke about it. Oh, my God, scary. That's what you should go as for Halloween. You should go as a comedian who uh, said she doesn't like Trump. You'll scare everybody. (laughs) And my God, at this point in the administration, three years in, a comedian just goes, that's not my preference. That's really shocking to you. You're disappointed. Get the fuck out of here. Would you think you're going to see Dennis Miller? Oh, I love to hate. I love to hate. I'm sorry. Oh, my God, this episode's almost over, and I didn't even tell the anxiety pitch meeting story and the life coach story. Well, you know what I think? I think these are great. Now, I'll tell you them really quick. The life, the life coach story is pretty quick. So <laughs> I fired a life. All right. I don't know what. Listen, after I left my job in December and I was looking at the year ahead, in January. And I knew I had road gigs coming up, but I didn't know what they were yet. My agent hadn't solidified the dates. And I knew, I don't know what my job is. This is really scary. I know I have some TV show ideas to pitch. I know I have a book pitch idea I have to get. So I was starting to work for free on all my ideas. That's how you do it. And I was listening to a podcast and I heard this woman. And I thought, oh, she sounds kind of cool. I, I know all about like positive thinking and spiritual hoo-ha and bing bong bing and I'm in therapy. I don't need any more stuff. But there was just this one moment of weakness where I thought, I hope I'm not self-destructive um, in my work habits. You know, I'm about to be self-disciplined for a year for the first time. Sometimes it's a lot easier if you're like on a writing job like like working on Maisel or working on any job where you're at a desk, there's downtime and you can do your own thing. So that's when you write your own script. When you have only downtime, sometimes it can be hard to motivate. I wanted to make sure, I don't know what, I was, I was just nervous about not knowing what my income would be. I'd had some pretty good income over the coming years. Netflix said no to a third special. I was just nervous, like what's happening, what's happening. I wanted some, there was nothing to analyze, like let's go back into my childhood. It was like, I wonder if there's some kind of like almost, um, almost getting a life coach in the sense of like there's this go-getter who has what I want and they know how to motivate me and all that kind of thing now I don't really need that now and if I did I'd go to a really concentrated I'd go to like Oprah who was like this is my master class and how to get ahead and I'd go well you've been ahead so I can see that you know you have something to offer so I go meet this woman and I'm like oh I think she's more of a therapist I already have one but I'm like yeah I'll give it a chance so I have a consultation and then I, I sign up and she's like, I, then she announces that she only wants to do it over Skype. And I'm like, so I can't come in the office. She's like, no, office is more for my therapy practice. I was like, okay, um, that's fine. So she has me fill out this thing, like my relationship to money and success or whatever. 
So I fill out all these questions and they're fine. I feel like I'm a little bit not beyond them, but it's not like I've never thought about this before, but I'm asking like, great. So how do I insert the thing I was trying to do here? You know what? I'll I'll let her do her process. So I fill out the questions and then I email them to her. And our session is a week later and she puts on the Skype machine, the Skype machine. She puts it on. We're sitting there in front of each other. She goes, now, did you do your questionnaire? I go, yeah, I emailed it to you a few days ago. She goes, oh, right, right, right. She goes, oh, I don't have it in front of me. Um, I usually like to print it out. Oh, that's right. I remember now. Oh, the other day I went to print it out, but I ran out of printer ink. And I go, oh. And she goes, so then I just forgot. And then it's still in my emails, and then I never read it. This is a life coach that I hired to like take me through to make sure I'm I'm doing my life right. And I'm like, this is this is a red flag. I have a judgment about people who let my printer runs out of ink and it is the shame of a lifetime. I've been going to a lot of pitch meetings. I printed out the other day. I ran out of cayenne or cyan or whatever the fuck color and it, it wasn't able to print. Even in black and white, it affected it. And I was deeply ashamed when I had to uh, reach out to the, the person that I was pitching with and go, can you bring an extra copy? I mean, oh. there's something to me about, I know printer ink is expensive, I'm not talking about, you're broke, you're a 20-year student, you're a professional person, and you don't keep up with, like you don't have an Amazon subscribe and save, or a reminder, buy print ink, or have a backup. I'm talking, you're professional only, and printer ink is a thing you can afford. If you let it slide, for some reason, that is a giant judgment that I have. And so I, I just thought, and then she goes, well, now, if you could just make any amount of money you want for this year. She's like, you know, maybe make it realistic, something that could happen. But like, also don't be afraid to just shout out a giant number. So I did. I'm like, blah, blah. She goes, she literally did a spit take over Skype. She goes, oh, that's a lot of money. You think you could make that? I go, well, if I got a book deal, I sold a script and then it went to pilot where I got to act, produce, write. And if I got cast in a pilot this year, yeah, that amount could happen. I'm just saying you told me to dream, so that's my dream. She goes, well, it sounds like you're doing great. I go, well, I didn't actually make that money. I'm just saying, aren't we supposed to be dreaming big here? And then she's like, well, what are you doing towards that goal? I'm like, I'm writing a pilot. I'm writing a book, and I go on auditions. She goes, "Are you? can you wait tables? I go, what, what's happening? What life coach tells you to wait? A, someone who makes a living do, touring to go not that I wouldn't wait tables but it's just funny because that in and of itself is as hard to get in LA as a acting job you have to be like 25 and I mean I was like what is this I go I wasn't like coming for advice on like what to do I was coming for like don't you do kind of like inspirational like say these mantras and add this in and she was like I mean I don't know I think she's probably a good therapist. I think she's trying to get into the life coaching thing. And I think it's a different beast. And I think you have to have success in the thing that you're life coaching about. And so that's why I no longer buy into the whole concept. Like I've met, you know, individual teachers as as I put them, you know, oh, I got assigned to work with this producer on this. So then I learned from them how to do this. And then I go over here and I learn how to do that. I just have my little guides as I go through life. And I think I'd forgotten for a hot minute that in every area that I want to get better in, the people already there that can take me through it exist. So I was dying laughing. And then after the session, I just emailed her like, I don't think this is going to work out, but thanks for everything. 
And I had to let her go. But I just, I can you imagine someone, dream big, what's that big number? And you say it, and they're like, Jesus, get over yourself. <laughs> I don't have any printer ink. Oh, God. I'm a terrible person. All right, so here's how you can help out this podcast. Go to iTunes, write a review. It really does help. Give it five stars. Write something sincere. Write whatever you want. And, uh, you know, there may be a world where I could read your review on air. Um, Who knows? You can follow along with this podcast on social media. You can go to um, facebook.com slash. Oh, fuck. I don't know, you guys. I didn't have the paper in front of me. Um, God damn it. I hate when I do this. Sorry. Facebook.com slash having funless pod. The pinned Facebook post on that page will take you to the secret closed Facebook group. I am not in it, so you can talk shit about me in there if you want. Send me an email about anything at iseemfun at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll use the old address. Follow on Twitter at funlessnesspod. And since I'm not in that private group, I really do appreciate as many comments as possible on the Facebook page of the podcast. If you could do that, uh, that would really make me happy. So there you go. I'll read some iTunes reviews next week. And until next week, Have fun.